through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. This is a show that you get to decide do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe that people can speak to the dead? Do you believe that? You, some people say yes, some no. Okay, those are the questions we're asking you today. And to get us started, here is one of the most famous psychic mediums working today. You decide. In the world of psychic mediums, John Edward is the closest thing there is to a bona fide rock star. Thousands of people around the world come to his sold-out seminars. Many hoping John will connect with a lost loved one. John says his life's mission is to share his remarkable ability. Born in Long Island, New York, his mother and his grandmother would often invite psychics into the home. It was at one of these readings that 15-year-old John was told of his abilities and his future. She started off the reading talking about everything that I was going to be doing, which is what I'm doing now, that I was going to be lecturing and on TV and radio and write a book and all about being psychic. For more than 20 years, John has been communicating with the other side and says he has turned countless skeptics into believers. So welcome John Edward to our show. Thank you. So, you know, there are a lot of people watching who absolutely don't believe. There's some who do believe. There's some who want to believe. And so how does this work for you? I act as a conduit between the physical world here yeah. and what, we, uh, what, what I call the other side. The other and side. I act as that conduit, like a bridge, and I bring through their information. So it's like they beam me their energy, I interpret it in my frame of reference, and I pass it on to the person that I'm sitting with. OK, I think it's interesting that you use the term energy. We all are just energies, vibrating frequencies. And you're saying that people, or whatever life form it is in, in, on the other side, is also an energy and that their energies come through you. Why you? Um, I think why me, and one reason is that I am a teacher by nature. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the main reasons that I've been given this opportunity, because I treat it as what it is. For me, I'm educating people about the energy of where they're at in their life and maybe how this can actually help them. It's about the empowerment that somebody can get from it as they move forward as a result of that pivotal moment. That pivotal moment, because you think people are stuck in the moment where the people pass. Absolutely. Yeah. Right now, we're all physical beings. Yeah. And our soul, the energy of that soul, is inside this vehicle. Mm -hmm. Well, when that vehicle ceases, for whatever reason, the driver, the soul, gets out and still, as far as I'm concerned, in my belief system, is able to exist. So what happens to the vehicle, the car, the body, doesn't affect the soul or the consciousness. So we're talking about the survival of consciousness and that energy that love that we're connecting with. Okay, so where are all these people that where? you're talking to from the other side? It's really, it's really funny, because... <laughs> yeah. One of the examples that I was given from my own 
guides, energies yeah. that I work with, was that it's like, where's the internet? You know, it's like, where is the internet? It's like, it's this place that's out there that we all talk about and know about yeah. and we communicate, but you can't go there with a physical body, yeah. but you need a conduit in some way to actually exchange which, that energy. Which is your computer. Which is your computer. Yeah. We all, we all have... say that though. Haven't you said that when you send an email? Where the hell did it go? <laughs> Where is it out there? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you, do you see these energies? I do not see them. Um, for me, I'm clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient. And what that means is that I see, hear, and feel this energy. And I interpret what it is that it is in my experience. So for example, if I'm seeing something, I don't see them the way I'm seeing the audience or, or yourself. I don't hear them the way we're able to communicate. It's kind of ha like having a daydream. You know when you're daydreaming and it's a very, very real experience? Mm -hmm. That's what it's like, except I'm conscious that I'm daydreaming. So I quiet my mind through meditation and prayer, mm -hmm. and then I pay attention to what I'm thinking, what I'm hearing, and what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's as if I'm being impressed with this energy. Okay. So it's not coming from me, it's coming from outside of me. Well, how do you know, because you know, I'm being the skeptic here for all the people, how, how do you know that the energy that's coming through you is their particular relative? I, don't. I mean, because n nobody's dressed in outfits, so how I, do you know? I, I, actually, I actually don't. If anybody in this audience right now said, we can have a reading, you're gonna immediately come up with your list of people, your top 10, your top two, that you wanna absolutely positively hear from. And then the reality is, you wanna hear from mom, and I start trying to connect with you, and I'm giving you information, and you're like, no. But what you're thinking is, no, that's not my mom. In reality, I'm connecting with your ex-mother-in-law who's passed, who didn't like you in life, and you're thinking, I don't wanna to talk to her. Like, why is, <laughs> why is she coming through? But if you've got children, or if you're still married to her son, or you still have a connection to the family, she'll see you as the way to get a message across. Are all the so-called people from the other side are they always there? I don't believe that they're always around us 24 mm -hmm. I mean, do you want them around you 24-7? Well, I was wondering, oh, you walking like... around, you're never alone. <laughs> you know, because people always say, they always ask me, it's like, are they always around? Like, you know, yeah. they're, concerned not, they're concerned with things about, you know, us emotionally, spiritually. They're concerned about our growth, our moving forward, our learning. I mean, this to me, as far as I'm concerned, is the classroom of life. Okay. And we're evolving. I get that. all that, but where are they? Um, they are... Where do they say they are? I mean, certainly, if you can communicate with them, you've asked them, hey, where are you? I have actually asked them. And yeah. I, we call it the other side. Some people refer to it hereafter. They call it the great beyond. Some people call it heaven. Um, and whenever I get somebody really loud coming through, I'll be like, well, what do you do? Do you have houses? Do you have jobs? Like, you know, do you eat? You know, do you have to count carbs? Like, what's the deal? Like, what's the... And what, what I get back, honestly, quite honestly, is that they don't care about my questions. They care about talking to the person that's sitting in front of me because they've got to lower their frequency and it takes a lot of energy to do that and they want to get their message across. They have to lower their frequency to talk to you. To communicate. Because you're dense. You're a dense old I'm human dense. being. Okay. I mean that we and the human body are very dense. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, okay. You decide. Kim Gregory wrote us saying that she desperately needs one last connection with her sister whose sudden death is still a mystery. Was it murder, she wanted to know, or was it a suicide? And here's just a part of her reading with John. Just for on the record, we've not met. Right. Okay. I came in skeptical, but there's definitely an energy, I thought, between John and I. I'm gonna just jump right in? Yeah, okay. that'd be great. You have like these different energies that are coming in. They're telling me to call you by a different name. Kimmy or Kimberly or something completely different from Kim, but they make me feel like, don't call you Kim. My sister used to call me Kimmy Cricket from the little Disney character, Jiminy Cricket. Right away, I knew it was my sister. But wasn't there somebody who passed from a suicide? Yes. My sister was a warrant officer in the army. She came back from Iraq 
in late 2004. She passed away November 26th. And it was questionable whether it was suicide or murder. I was told that my sister was shot. And I think that's why there was the issue of suicide or murder, because all of us immediately thought, and that's all we knew, was that it was murder. The forensics are still out, so the case isn't closed. To tell me to acknowledge the person who takes on the responsibility. Yeah. Clearly. And she's bringing that up. Okay. Okay, so she's acknowledging that the person crosses himself over. And I say that because of the feeling that comes with it, the feeling of intent. I did not get the feeling of murder. Okay. At all. Okay. What was coming through to me, what it was shown, was somebody going like this, which means that they take on the, they take on the responsibility for how they got there. I guess we didn't want to face that suicide could be it. So the total time of Kim's reading with John was about an hour, and uh, you said you were skeptical going in, and are you still skeptical? No. I wanted to believe desperately, but I still wasn't sure, and I really wanted to have proof that it was her. And I know I didn't tell John, but I wrote down in my journal two things that I wanted to come through from her to prove to me that it was her, and I feel like they came through. The nickname was a big one. Okay, and what else? Her middle name was Anne, and I know that he said Anne at some part of the reading. I feel like it was her. Uh, coming that. through him, okay? Right. And so two days after Kim's reading with John, the Sierra Vista Police Department in Arizona did tell us that her sister's death had uh, just been officially ruled a suicide and not a murder. So that helped have some closure. Yes, I'm sure my family is dealing with that now. Mm -hmm. Okay. My guest today has one of the biggest psychic followings around, and he's been called everything from a fraud to a messenger from heaven. Do you think that psychic mediums can really make contact with people who've crossed over to the other side? John Edwards says he can. And this is what I wanted to ask you. You say you can. Can you always? No. Okay. I cannot always. I, I, I've had individual readings where I sit down with somebody and I get absolutely nothing. I don't connect with them. I can't connect with their energy, which means I can't bring the energy through, uh, or I don't make the connection with them. Not usually in a group setting. Mm -hmm. Usually some loud person will push on through, but in a private setting, I have had that happen. Okay. Next is a mom who wrote to us saying that she watched her beloved daughter die right before her eyes, and now she hopes that John can give her some comfort. Here is a portion of that reading. The energy that I'm getting is focused and forced. They're telling me to acknowledge baby girl. They're telling me to say baby girl. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The first thing that John said that I knew he was contacting my sister was when he made the reference to baby girl because we're twins, but she's the younger of the two. Yeah, that's her, the baby girl. That's how she thought of herself, and that's how we all thought of her. Anybody have a middle name, Ann? That's her. <laughs> she's middle name, Ann? Yeah. Lori passed away on September 29th, 2006 from cancer. For 15 months, we slept with her. We were um, by her side day and night. Now, I don't know if you took it off, if you stopped wearing something jewelry-wise, but somebody's telling me that they know that you took off whatever the thing is. When my sister was diagnosed with cancer, we all decided to wear Livestrong bracelets to support her through her struggles. After she passed, at the beginning of the New Year, New Year's Eve, right at midnight when it turned to New Year's Day, we took off of our bracelets. She's making me feel like she wasn't upset. 
And I feel like I'm more concerned, if I'm talking first person now for her, I'm more concerned about you and you and you oh, yeah. and you. <laughs> she said point blank to me, you know, if I die, you're the one I'm, I'm worried about. I feel like I'm at peace with what I'm doing. <laughs> and this feeling gives me that sense that I know I'm leaving. I don't know if you knew that she knew, but I know she knew she was going. But I feel like you need to know that there was nothing else that possibly could have done. I have to say there's a feeling of, this is gonna sound crazy and I'm so sorry, gratitude. I have a feeling of appreciation and gratitude. That's my feeling. So when you say I have a feeling of appreciating gra gratitude, that's your feeling or her feeling? It's the energy that's being impressed upon me. It's called sympathetic or empathetic pain, uh -huh. where they will let me know or I'll get a feeling as to either what part of the body they had a problem or if there was a, an event, something that was affected, or emotionally their personality. It's almost like a wave that hits me. And for a complete stranger, I'll have this amazing feeling of like love. Like I just, I'll, I'll feel that feeling. And I, that's what I do, I kind of acknowledge. How was the experience for you guys? It was a very good experience because I did feel as though my sister came through from the other side. Wherever she may be, I found out that she was with our loved ones and she is in a better place and she is with people that she knows and that she cares for. And it just gave me peace of mind and comfort to know all of this. Okay, and how do you know that she is now with the loved ones? Because John said it? Pretty much all of our loved ones who have passed actually did come through in some way or another. Well, how do you know it was your loved ones? Did they, did they say their names? Some said their names, some said letters, and some just said things that were, you just knew it was them, okay. there was no way. This is the thing that makes me, makes me skeptical, not cynical, but makes me skeptical. If I am, um, you know, on the other side, or if there is a person on the other side, why don't they just come right through and say what their name is? Why do they need a letter or? Very easy. Okay. Can deaf people communicate? Can deaf people communicate? Yeah. How? They do sign language. Exactly. Well, they have a physical body and they have an instrument. Why don't they just come right out and start speaking? So now if you don't have the instrument to be able to speak, they've got to use a frequency, a vibrational frequency that they have to lower that. And that's got to be sent across. So I as and a they medium, have to lower their frequency. They have to lower their frequency. And their because? Because of the ability to be able to m make the connection with the medium. So okay. the medium has to raise their vibration through meditation. And for me, it's meditation and prayer. Uh -huh. They have to lower their frequency. And then there's that gap. And in between that great little divide there is where the information comes across and where I think interpretation can go out. I think that they're 100% accurate in trying to come through. I'm not. The medium's not. We can completely yeah, but, uh, but I'm just saying, though, why don't they come through by saying? But they do. In this lifetime, when I was human, my name was they Susan. They do. Okay. They do it in, in a way that the medium will have, to, will have to get it. So in other words, if somebody is, you know, like I, I use the analogy. Oh, so you're operating on feeling. Nobody's actually saying anything? Exactly. It's not an out loud voice. So it's, it's a thought. Thoughts are being communicated Correct. from the other side. Correct. Thoughts. It's, a, it's right. a vibrational thought thing. Absolutely. Okay. You know, when you, you know, like you have, everybody knows you have a very good friend named Gail. I'm yeah. sure you guys, when you're you know, talking. You yeah. don't even have to finish That's talking right. because you're, you're communicating on a, on a people, higher frequency. Lots of people have that connection. Exactly. Yeah. Sisters do, twins do, best friends do. So you felt like you were talking with your daughter? He was talking to your daughter? I did. You did. There were things that, that she said that I, I believe that only she would say. Okay. And like it was what? just the fact that she came through as baby girl. We always called her baby girl, and that's how they introduced okay. her. Okay, that's good. I'm going to give you that one. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday, Darcel Combo came for a reading with John, and what happened? 
John was not able to read me. Mm -hmm. He didn't feel any energy at all. And so, uh, what John had said to us earlier is that sometimes you don't get the reading. Correct. Yeah. That's more believable than not, because, you know, I, I certainly believe that there's life beyond ourselves. And I've done shows for years and had other psychics. I do remember this. Does anybody remember Jean Dixon? Yes. Anybody remember Jean Dixon? I was doing a show in Baltimore when I was, it was 1978 in Baltimore. And Jean Dixon was on a show. And after the show, she pulled me aside this was just a little local show in Baltimore. She pulled me aside to tell me that she saw in my future that I would be speaking to millions of people around the world. And I, right, I was in Baltimore talking to 700 people, so I couldn't even imagine what she was saying. And she predicted this, this life that I, I have now. She told me I would live like a queen. She told me that I would have access to you know, major people around the world. And I was like, I don't know when that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to happen. So, yeah, I do believe that some people have that, that sense of prophecy. Do you have that, too? Absolutely. Every, every medium is a psychic first. It's kind of like every surgeon has to be a doctor first. Mm -hmm. So a psychic has the ability to talk about where you're at in your life mm -hmm. and what's coming up for you on a projected line of probability, mm -hmm. as well as other avenues that are available that if you make a choice to go a different direction, yeah. validate your past. Okay. This is what I want to ask. Why couldn't they do that themselves? Why, Why couldn't, couldn't they? they, if they wanted to talk to their deceased uh, Object sister? Objectivity. Well, they can, but and, not in the, and, not in and the same daughter. They, they, you can. Everybody if it's a can. vibrational frequency, why can. can't it vibrate with them? It does. Okay. It absolutely does. Okay, so how, how, how can all the people here who are not going to have access to you but want to be able to be in communication with people who have passed, how do you raise your frequency and get them to lower theirs and communicate with you? Meditation. Yeah physically calming your body, opening your mind. Mm -hmm. I think prayer is extremely important. I think you have to have a really strong foundation in some type of belief system or faith or spirituality, whatever, to allow yourself to stand in that column of light to be able to say, okay, let's see I'm what ready. This. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, I think it's important to journalize and document experiences because I think, as you say with the, with, with the skepticism, with the, with the scientist, it's very important to be able to kind of write stuff down and to document it in some way so that you don't rationalize it away. Okay. Well, thank you, John. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you. NBC's hit TV show, Medium, is based on the life, the real life, of my next guest. Because she uses her extraordinary psychic abilities to help detectives to solve crimes. So let's check this out. I got it all. I'm both a medium and a psychic. I assist law enforcement to help to bring conclusion to criminal cases. The way that I do that is I head tap the criminal. I get into their head. I hear their thoughts. I look through their eyes. When she was six years old, Allison says she saw her dead great-grandfather appear by the foot of her bed. He was smiling, and he said, tell your mom I'm not in pain anymore, and that I'm still with her. Allison says she also hears voices, and at 17, one of them actually saved her life. I heard a voice say, move your bed. So I moved my bed from the south wall to the east wall, and a couple hours after that, a truck came barreling through my bedroom wall and missed my head by not much as it was. So if I hadn't moved the bed, I would have died. Allison is not the only one in the family with a sixth sense. Our oldest daughter, Aurora, and our youngest, Sophia, they're mediums, but Fallon can locate objects like nobody I've ever seen. It doesn't bother my girls to have um, the souls of any of the victims, the cases I've worked around. I'm not saying our house is wall-to-wall -wall victims. It's just there are a few that are regulars, we'll call them that, that pop in and out. And we're good with that. 
Well, first of all, I wanted to ask you, when you went to your mother at six years old, after you had a visit from your grandfather at the foot of the bed, and you told your mother what your grandfather had said, what did your mother say? Go back to bed. <laughs> 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 she, um, she didn't know what to make of it, and it was the 70s. I don't think they knew a lot then what to do with kids like me. And when did you start to take this seriously? or believe that it was more than... Well, when I was interning in homicide to be a prosecuting attorney, it was my job to sort the crime scene photos to go to court. And I started seeing things that were happening before the crimes, crime photos had taken place, before the person was actually killed. So By looking at the photos? By looking at the photos and just touching the paperwork with their names on it, things of that nature. So I decided to test that theory. I took three missing persons cases from across the country. I did what I call a write-up, writing impressions on them and I faxed it to law enforcement that was taking care of that case, expecting I was an overworked mother of three that would never hear back from them. And my, my conscience could be clean that I, I tried. Mm -hmm. And I heard back from Texas, uh, the Tarrant County Sheriff's Department, and they said this information was never released and can you come to Texas? And that was my first case. The information that you had put in the letter had never been released. Right. So you were onto something, yes. I thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I was able to tell them when they would recover the child's body. And how did you know that? Um, I just saw five years in my head, and they found her at four years and nine months after she disappeared. Wow. So we asked Allison if we could watch her in action, and she told us about a missing teenager in Phoenix and let our cameras follow her as she profiled this actual case. So here's some of the information she shared. Jackie's just the sweetest kid, always smiling and laughing. I call her kid, yeah, she was 19, but she's always a kid to me. David Hartman's daughter, Jackie, was last seen at this gas station near Phoenix at 1 o'clock in the morning of January 28th. Her sister dropped her off to meet a man she had first met just two weeks earlier. This wasn't a date. She just wanted to hang out. The family has not seen Jackie since. The next day, police arrested 25-year-old Jonathan Burns. Later, he was charged with first-degree murder, kidnapping, and sexual assault. Police found Jackie's clothing with bullet-like holes in a dumpster near his home. Burns is currently awaiting trial. Hundreds of law enforcement, family, and friends have been searching for Jackie. I've caught myself wanting to call her, just tell her how many people love her. We just got to keep searching. Got to just finalize this. Allison is asked by a family friend to profile the case with the hope that they can get some answers. My initial impressions that I got before reaching the scene is that I get a city limit sign in the area of where she is now. I do get that she is um, no longer with us. I believe she had been choked and had lost consciousness before the final impact which is a little relief, a little solace, knowing that she didn't uh, feel what was happening to her. I was shown a funeral and Jackie being laid to rest, um, so she will be found and her parents will have that. Allison's information, she says, comes in waves. Law enforcement needs to check for a barbecue or an object that looks like a barbecue, almost like those little hibachis or something. I get some of the evidence being burnt on it. So I believe the struggle started in the vehicle and ended on the ground. And I can see the embankment where she would be rolled down. I can't let it bother me emotionally. Later, I'll be thinking of the family. Right now, I'm just focusing on getting the information that they need to bring a conclusion to this. I know this is going out on a limb, but I think it's gonna be within two weeks that they'll find the body.
So Jackie Hartman's aunt, Suzanne, is here. Last night, she was told about the results of Allison's reading. So do you believe that what you've heard is the truth about what happened? Yes. Yes, I do. You do. Um, and we're going to find out. <laughs> it's, I'm so thankful. Thank you very much. On the tape, you were saying you couldn't let this bother you. Are you comfortable having all of that? See, that, that feels like a lot of dark energy. When I'm getting into the head of the killer, I can't get pulled in emotionally because if I do that, I get scattered and I'm not focusing on the information. I'm not pulling the information that makes me the killer's worst nightmare. And I want to be their worst nightmare because I'm there for the victim. So I have to be very clear on why I'm there and um, fall apart later. And fall apart later. Sure. And do you fall apart? Sure. Yeah. I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. it, it gets to you after a while, and especially when you work, work a case where it's children. Mm -hmm. I'm a parent. Every time I work a case with somebody's daughter, it's very personal to me because mm -hmm. I have three of them, and it's, it, I can't even imagine losing one. When you say head tap the, the criminal, mm -hmm. that means what? Uh, I look at the first name of the victim, and there are some impressions that are left on a person, their parents, how they die, and if it's at the hands of somebody else, then I'm able to actually connect through the victim to the perpetrator and get in their head. And that's the best that I can explain it. It's like a bridge. The victim bridges me to the perpetrator so that I can get into their head and see through their eyes. Is it easier once you've seen the picture of the so-called or alleged perpetrator where you can actually look into his eyes in a picture? I like to get my information without having that kind of photo or information oh, really? to draw off of. I like to go off of nothing where I'm untainted. I'm not tainted by anything. Then my information's raw and clear. Mm -hmm. And then later, I'll look at the picture and do a second wave, if there's a picture. Usually, I don't get that luxury when I work a case. Mm -hmm. um, but then I do a second wave. But I already know who he is from being in his head. I've already felt his motive. I've already felt if it was a sexually motivated crime. I believe in this particular case, and I guess I have to speak as that it's my opinion, okay. um, that the alleged uh, you know, perpetrator, right. um, that the motive was it was a um, date rape gone wrong. That's how I see it as, that it was something that got out of control. And I believe that the um, perpetrator that perpetrated the crime in question um, blamed her partially for this taking place, because if she hadn't fought him, there wouldn't have been such a struggle, and he wouldn't have had to kill her. That's what you believe? Yes. You've had cases where you literally sent law enforcement to the door of a perpetrator. Yes. Um, actually, there was one instance where my husband, Joe, doesn't like to cross the line and bring his problems to me as far as needing my abilities, but he is my husband. And he had a coworker whose granddaughter was 14, and she was missing. They had suspected that she was a runaway, so the police really weren't putting a lot into finding her. I knew that if she wasn't located by the weekend, she'd be sexually assaulted. So I talked to the private eye that they hired, and I said, she's at her girlfriend's brother's apartment. So he interviewed her girlfriends, and one of them said, yeah, there's a creepy brother of our friend so-and-so. And they said, do you know where, where he lives? And she said, yes. So the friend took the private investigator to the apartment. They opened the door, and the missing 14-year-old was there. Wow. Now, so Ms. Skeptic, what's your name? Laura. Laura. <laughs> Laura, our scientist uh, skeptic, what did you want to say? I wanted to know if you keep track of how many times you're right and how many times you're I know it's important to you scientists, keeping track. <laughs> um, actually, I spent four years in a laboratory being uh, studied by scientists in, uh, at a university in Arizona. Uh -huh. So they kept track of every hit and every miss, you better believe, and they published it in academic journals. 
So I spent four years putting it out there, and after four years, I realized there are some people that aren't going to get it, and they're not going to believe, and I have to be okay with that. But I did um, dedicate four years of my life to trying to help science find a reason for why people like me can do what we do. Mary Logan wrote to us after her daughter Candace lost her life in a bike accident five months ago. Candace left behind a husband, Wade, and a 14-month-old son, Owen. Take a look. I had written information when I was in my room. One, um, I saw a girl under you. So that'd be like a daughter. Do you have a daughter? I do. Okay. I have three. I have three daughters. Okay. Um, is one of your daughters passed? Yeah. Okay. Interestingly enough, um, doesn't matter how old they were when they died, like she kept showing herself little. And sometimes they do that because that's when they were the happiest and the most secure. She had this part of her hair pulled back and then she had curls down the back. And that's how she was showing herself. And so there would be a picture of her looking like that. That was the vision of her as a young girl. She's making me feel a lot of pain in my head. So at the time of passing, her head would have hurt badly. Does that make sense to you? It does. But she's like, no more. You know, no more. Don't, don't think of it that way. And part of her saying, when she passed, it actually felt kind of quick to her. Almost like she was bounced out of the body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. It wasn't her. She didn't feel responsible. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay. It was wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Yes, okay. exactly. It wasn't her fault. No. She was hit by an automobile and hit the windshield and really shattered her head and had major internal injuries. And Allison, without knowing what happened to my wife, brought up that she had major head injuries. About the hospital, I guess. Did she, did she hear us, did she? She did, uh, she heard you, but she was already gone, is the way she's saying it. Is she at peace? Yes. With you, she points to um, the two of you standing under like a palm tree and like a picture taken, but she shows tropical and the picture taken. And it's the beach and there's palm trees. Do you know what picture she's talking about? Okay. Did you go to Hawaii? A, a really big, uh, thing that made me think and feel pretty confident in what we were doing was a Hawaii trip that Candace and I took and there were photographs that Candace and I took together that were under a palm tree. My son and I have a routine each night to sing a song and try to think of her. Does she see or feel uh, that moment? Yes. Yes. So. Is there anything that she would like to say to him? She just says, Mommy loves you. She'll come, she comes to him in dreams, but she also sits on the end of his bed at night to make sure he's okay. So just try to maybe explain that, um, you know, Mommy's his angel now because she says she's his angel. I love children because they have no issues, they have no edit. They just feel them and see them and need to make sense of it. Owen does reference mommy quite a bit. And I know that that great bond that they had is going to be there from today and into the future. So Mary and Wade are here. Wade told our producers that he was skeptical going into this. Really? I was. Yeah. 
I think before this, I didn't know what a medium was, nor did I need to think about it. Yeah. We were with Allison for an hour. And I, I think the biggest thing is she had no clue who we were. Uh, when, when I found out about this opportunity to, to come here, one of my biggest questions was, I don't want to give any information. Uh, I don't want to be scammed. I want this to be real. Yeah, yeah. And when we sat down, she, kno she knew nothing. And that picture from Hawaii was sitting in my living room. And another thing that she did mention that I read three weeks before coming here was originally my wife thought I wasn't the one. And by reading her diary um, three weeks ago, it mentioned that originally I wasn't her soulmate or didn't think I was her soulmate. And that was just information that I she wouldn't have not been able to look at it on the internet or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was information that was personal to me and my wife. Mm -hmm. And that connection, the skepticism went away. Yeah. And for you too? As well. I, I, I think you don't need to become a believer until someone close to you dies. And then it, you want to believe in something. Mm -hmm. And I am so thankful for you because I always knew she was in me and her spirit, her mm -hmm. energy is intense and around us, but you allowed me now to talk to her, that I know that when I talk to her now, she responds and I am, we are so grateful. So I understand you also brought some, something for Wade's son. When we were doing the reading, um, she kept talking about that you'd read books together yes. and then she talked about missing reading books with her son. Yes. And remember I kept, saying, did she call him Bug or Beetle Bug? Or so. she kept trying to give a name, and we couldn't figure it out. And sometimes there's a piece of information like that. At the hotel I'm staying at, I went to the gift shop. And I walked in, and I turned around into a book called Beetle Bug's Party. And so I wrote in here, I remember Candace saying Bug and referring to her son. And the next day in the gift shop, this caught my eye. This is to Owen. Love his mom. Thank you. So you can read it to him. Uh, from Thank you. her. Thank you. That's great. Allison has a book. It's called We Are Their Heaven, Why the Dead Never Leave Us. Dean Radin is author of the book called Entangle Minds, Extrasensory Experiences in a Quantum Reality. Okay. He's a research psychologist in the area of psychic phenomenon. And so... What do you think of all this? Does science prove that six sensibilities are real? Well, science has been looking at this issue for over 100 years now. I think it's very clear now that we have high confidence that some psychic abilities are true. And what they suggest is that experience is entangled, is, is interconnected among people. And the interesting thing is that for a long time, we didn't have any theory at all to explain how that could possibly be. But when you look at the history of physics over the past 100 years, the notion of entanglement, which is a deep form of connection at a physical level, is now well understood. And so what it does is it's taking what used to be considered a metaphysical concept, and it's making it physical. OK, I, that's an answer I did not expect from you. <laughs> I did not expect from you. And you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, none of this evidence has been backed up or peer-reviewed or published or had statistical data against it. So there's no ability to measure the energy. There's, you know, I lost people in my life. But it's not, nobody can prove to me that it's 
There's no proof, even his. Can even we his... prove that there is God? I'm a humanist. Okay. Can I can I comment on that? Yeah. Just in a small note. Um, part of the reason it's hard for them to come through to people that are very pragmatic, that have trouble connecting emotionally with other people or with them with themselves, are very hard for them to access from the other side. It's much easier for them to access people who are emotionally based people who, mm -hmm. who are open to it. So it's not that they don't love you and it's not that they're not there. It's just at this point in your life, you're not accessible for them. She doesn't want them to come through, sure. right? <laughs> That's so not true. When my dad passed away, the, yeah. I what if he came tonight and sat on your bed and you saw him uh -huh. sitting on your bed? What if? That'd be great. That'd be great. I'd okay. have a lot of questions for him. You have a lot of questions for him, yeah? But I would just want to respond to the idea of a lack of peer-reviewed evidence. Yeah. That's completely false. Actually, there, there's well over a thousand experiments that have been published in peer-reviewed scientific journals, including some of the top, like Science and Nature, that most scientists are simply unaware of. Well, within this realm, there are many, many studies that are peer-reviewed and published. I'm curious, for all of you who have watched this show today, what do you believe? Do you believe in the supernatural? Thank you for being here today. We'll continue the show another time. See you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. <laughs>